0: gentlemen welcome to zebra talk the podcast where we go beyond the stripes and shine a little light onto the lives and the untold stories of the people who slide on their knees and count the threes that's right i'm talking about the referees and today we're joined by somebody who you know like many of these people doesn't really need an introduction but i'll give one to you anyway just in case you aren't familiar with him or maybe you haven't seen him in a few years he was a Huge integral part of the early two thousands in WWE refereeing, and he has made an absolutely astounding career for himself, getting booked all over the world, more countries than I could even count. Please welcome Justin King. How you doing, Justin?
1: Good. How you doing today,
0: man? I'm doing very well. Thank you for being on the podcast. I appreciate you being here. Thanks for having me, I hear you're heading off to uh, Egypt here in a couple of days.
1: Yeah. So it hasn't been, uh, discussed out loud yet, but you're the first. One oh man, cat out of the uh, bag. I, I did I, not I, throw um, that out there. <laughs> no, it's okay. Uh, it's okay. I, um, was in talks with them and, uh, um, uh, things are coming forth. Uh, I can't give you the dates or anything like that because I, sure. I don't know any, I don't know anything else other than I am booked. Very cool.
0: Well, congratulations. Is this
1: going to be your first time going to the country or? Yes. My very first time in this country. Um, I have worked with uh, the the guy who runs this. I worked with him over in the QPW, so um, things are looking up. But like I said, I don't know all the details of it. I just know that I have been asked to join the team, and I am very grateful, as usual, well, congr- uh, to add another country to my uh, to my resume.
0: Absolutely, congratulations! Uh, speaking of your resume, like you know, we've talked about it multiple times in the past. Uh, it kind of you know your your reputation precedes you as far as like world traveling referee do you have like a running list of all of the places that you've been to at this point
1: um kind of a running list of, of most of the places that i've been um so like you like you know i took a i took a three-year break after wwe and didn't think that i would ever go back to wrestling I actually quit Sure. and then uh, got the call india happened in mm-hmm. 2016 um kali and i've been with kali since and things are awesome with that and um, I, we have, we've been on a standstill. Obviously, WWE has been doing some stuff with India, so that's kind of been on a you know standstill. A bit of a but hiatus, uh,
0: yeah,
1: Yep, just because of that going on, in the international superstars now getting with WWE. Sure. And congratulations to all those Indians that have made it. Uh, the big tall guys, Shanky and Suki. I got the opportunity to work with them. I got the opportunity to work with uh, with um, uh, Lexi Laroot, the guy uh, that did the match with uh, Finn Balor. Very cool. And uh, so. Um, and there's a girl down there, um, named, I think her name is Dabina mm. and she, she, she was the first Indian to get signed Yeah. Uh, with WWE and, um, so I got to work with all of them. Um, and I got to do some matches, especially with, uh, with, with Shanky, uh, cause he was, uh, it was him and Kali together and I did all the main events, obviously. So I spent a lot of time with, uh, Shanky and then Suki came along and he's huge. Yeah. And, um, uh, so that, that, that was the first one. And then I got, um, then I got before South America. We, before
0: we move off of India, you spent so much time there. Have you picked up any like Punjabi or Hindi or anything like that? Or is it
1: still kind of you with a translator? And it's kind of with the translator. only thing I know is "supriya," which is thank you. You know, I, I, I say that to everybody. And um, you know, I kind of keep, I kind of, it, it's so hard to learn that language. That's an sure. intricate, uh, intricate language. Um, we always have, um, but they speak English. Um, most speak English and if they can't, then there's at least one or two or even 10 wrestlers that can speak, yeah. you know, when, Punjab I was, uh, and or.
0: when I was in Japan, uh, some people were asking me the same thing. They were like, you know, how do you communicate with the Japanese wrestlers that you were working with? And I'm like, well, you know, not every Japanese wrestler that you're going to run into speaks exclusively Japanese. So like, even if the people that you're working directly with, uh, don't speak English, you're going to find somebody else in the locker room that does, you know? So.
1: It's all about translations, and uh, you know, uh, with Kali and them, uh, most of those guys they do know English enough to to do what we need them to do, and uh, so that's that 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 worked out great for us because they're you know, especially with that particular uh company, CWE, Mm -hmm. most of our international talent face the Indian talent. You only have like 14 and 14 American and uh, Canadian talent that go over, and um, you know, then they got the rest are Indians, so you know, some of our matches were all Indian. Right. You know, as long as I got the finish and things like that, I really don't, you know, there ain't really much else to talk yeah, about. Yeah. Right. Anyway, I mean, but, what
0: else do you really need to know? Like everything right. else is just kind of autopilot and you're just reacting. Right.
1: <laughs> I work uh, in India. Kali would have 14 matches. He scheduled me 12 out of 14. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, so, <laughs> you're you know and, yeah, I don't have time to, it's hard to like, you know, communicate with every single person, you know, especially when you go on back and forth to the ring, I just actually got all the finishes in the ring. Sure. You know, tell me, tell me what you're doing real quick while I'm checking <laughs> on it. Yeah. Okay, that's all I need to know. So so from India, where do we head off to? So India. I, I do India, and then I get booked for South America, mm-hmm. uh, Lima, Peru, um, for a place called Imperial Lucha Libre. Very and cool. they had an inaugural show, and they brought me in for that one, and um, that was a huge show. That had Virto uh, de Rio, Carlito, it uh, had uh, uh, Matt Seidel, I mean, you name it. It had Pinto, Ray Phoenix, Uh, Matt and Jeff Hardy. I mean, it was a huge, huge, huge show, and uh, I I was lucky enough to do that. So I went to uh, South America, Mm -hmm. and then from South America, I went to uh, there's so many. I went to Kuwait. I did Ronnie Coleman, the big, big bodybuilder. Yeah, it was his birthday, and that was uh, it was his birthday. So he had a boxing, wrestling, bodybuilding, and uh, MMA all in this one big (laughs) Kuwait in this one big venue, and so. Um, I cool. did my try. I did my tryout for QPW in Kuwait because the the promoter for QPW was in charge of the wrestlers for Kuwait. So, sure. and that's how I got in with Ali Marafi, and uh, um, you know, and then uh, one. then after that, I go to. Uh, I did some stints in uh, Nova Scotia, mm-hmm. um, so in uh, uh, New Brunswick, uh, in, in Moncton, in Fredericton, New Brunswick. So um, I've been dealing with that side of Canada um i got signed with uh south africa so i went to pretoria south africa yeah, uh, for Slam you Force.
0: linked up uh, zebra talk with our uh, south african brothers um uh, mohammed uh, i can't even remember yeah year. yeah yeah
1: mohammed uh mohammed and uh a taste yeah uh mohammed and taste and i trained them in uh in south africa we did some training with them and um, they did their first ever like big match you know so um Muhammad had been actually working for 14 years, but he never really had the training experience. You know, he sure. never yeah. really had anybody that can train him and put him where he needed to be. So he was like my major project. Taste was brand new, so it was easy for me to break him in. Mm-hmm. You know, the way I'm not going to say my way is the right way, but it's good enough, obviously. Sure. And so having these guys with me, that that was a good learning experience with them. And then um um onto uh, Qatar. And uh, I debuted for Slam Force, or excuse me, Slam, uh, Super Slam Mm 2. And that's uh, Ali's big deal in QPW. And that was a big turnout. And that had Kevin Nash and Mark Henry, Eric Bischoff, and, um, you know, you name it. uh, It was stars everywhere. Rob Van Dam, uh, Berto Del Rio, and there's so many stars that did that show. Uh, Matt Seidel and and, uh, Apollo. Apollo's an international superstar that most people don't know about. But he's um, he's mega over international. And um, and, and then that uh, Lloyd Anoni, um, he's he's big overseas and Chris Rabber. And so I, I've been fortunate enough to to work these several different places. And uh, I've been in talks with a couple other countries. You know, it's just a matter of if they come to fruition. Um, this Egypt thing is, um, like I said, I don't know much about it. But what I can say is, is, you know, to be asked to do that, that's uh, that's a big big deal you know because yeah, it's so going to be free, there you
0: know anytime this somebody is, offers to have you come from you know another continent uh that's a, a huge amount of uh faith that they're putting in you you know
1: yeah and um also the i did dominican republic um mm-hmm. i was, i asked to do, i just got asked to do the bahamas um so i got some stuff that's just coming out of the woodworks for me yeah and like- um, i keep myself very occupied um i still do my i still work in my restaurant when i'm home but mm-hmm. um but when it comes to wrestling my restaurants so good to me they allow me to leave they allow me to do what I'm gonna do and come back so sure. um so I just try to try to keep myself as focused and you know as positive as I possibly can and uh, my, and my goal is to every time I work in these countries work with those referees because most of them have never had any formal training so I go in and train them and then do the show you know
0: do you find that uh, you know you're being sought out more now that you've been to so many places and you've established the reputation, or is it you're still like searching for places and you're doing most of the legwork to get yourself there?
1: Most of these places are falling in my lap just because of my reputation and who I'm, who I'm, who I am, associated and who with. I'm associated with. Yeah. And, and I'm learning this business that you can associate yourself with anybody you want to. But you know, there's consequences and repercussions for every action that you do. Sure. So I always try to keep myself surrounded by the most uh, dedicated, the most uh, positive, and the most driven people in this business outside of the actual full the powerhouses of wrestling. Um, I can tell you one guy who is phenomenal. His name is Peter Smith Brody Still. Mm-hmm. He's absolutely on a different level of, re- of wrestling, he's sure. 50. And he's moving like he's you know twenty five thirty. It's he's crazy. A big when man. You run
0: into guys like that, you know, like Gangrel or like uh, you know Tim Storm that like are just still like you know cranking it
1: out, and it's just like how do you how are you doing this? He is such a good person. His mind is separate as business. And when he met me, when I met him, we both think alike. We both didn't speak to each other till after the first show in India because it's a respect thing. you know. You, I'm I'm very quiet. When I get around people that I don't know, because I don't want to say anything that's gonna be dumb or you know, make myself out there. It's definitely uh, we didn't. like from experience in the business. Yeah. <laughs> yeah just learn to keep your mouth shut, keep going, introduce yourself. But that was it. It was just a hello. And then after the first match with him and Kali, he said, I never had a referee like you. And I said, I never told you I was gonna I never told you I was a good referee because I didn't want you to think I was cocky.
0: Sure.
1: But I wanted you to, I want I told him, I said I wanted you to know that after that match that i was gonna work my toe off to get to where i needed to be and get to get the respect of you not because of what i said to you but but how i did it yeah so we've best since. I,
0: I feel like you know uh a, a very telling sign of you know like the quality of a wrestler or a referee is the you know people that will never really admit like wh- how good or bad they are you know the minute that you hear somebody say i'm really good at blah 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 it's like you kind
1: of have that question mark over your head like are you really you know a lot of people will say um about me they'll say that I'm cocky and arrogant. And then, and and that's so far from the truth when it comes to wrestling. Um in my regular life, yeah, cocky and arrogant because I, the people I'm around that's just how it that's how it is in Illinois. You have to make your way, but with wrestling it's like I don't want to be cocky and arrogant. I just want to be the best or close to the best. Mm-hmm. I want my name to go down when I'm done wrestling when I'm done with wrestling. I want my name to be able to, for people to say, you know what? Justin King was one of those referees that you'll never forget. Mike a Mike Yoda, Earl Hebner, or you know these names that stick out: Charles Robinson and all these names. Don Cohn, you know, Chad Patton. These names that will resonate forever they're because they mess with but, wrestling and refereeing. Yeah, absolutely. And I and I had such a small run in WWE because of my injuries, but I can tell you right now, for only working in WWE for two years, my name is out. There. Sure. So let's. Thank you for that. Uh,
0: Let's wind things back a little bit and find out how you actually uh, got yourself into WWE. Let's start with, you know, like where you're from. Talk a little bit about your experience, you know, with you and your brother growing up. Obviously, uh, for those who don't know, Justin is a twin. He has a twin brother, Robert, who's also a referee. Um, Let's go ahead and dive into a little bit of that. How you guys got involved in professional wrestling.
1: So my mom was always a huge wrestling fan. Um, That was her escape, you Mm -hmm. know, from reality. And uh, she used to go to shows. Um, in the 70s and 80s, before we were born with my grandma. And um, uh, as we turned about five, three to five or something like that, my mom started taking us to shows. So um, I vividly remember my very first show was 1990. And I remember it being Brad Hart versus Rick Martel and Demolition versus Andre the Giant and Haku. And very I got cool. to meet ex-all cool. Jim Duggan. So, yeah. you know, that was at the Peoria Civic Center. We're from Peoria, Illinois. Uh, we lived there for 14 years and then we moved to a small, small, small town called Randall, Illinois. No one knows where it's at, but sure. um, and um, they was there. Um, actually, let's back up in Peoria. I met Chad and Jack, mm-hmm. Chad Patton and Jack don't. I met them when I was 12. Sure, um, and from that moment they were on, just I, getting started, they were just getting started. Chad and him, actually, Jack was rapping. Chad was just ring crew at that point, mm-hmm. so um. You know, meeting them, that was like a changing point in my life because at that point, it's like, oh my God, look at how happy they are. Look at the, their lives. They get to travel. They get to do wrestling. Is fun. At that point, it looked fun to me. Like, yeah. this was like, how, how, how do you get paid to have fun? You know, at 12, you're thinking, your life, you know, I was told my mom at 12, what I do for you now at that point obviously it's a dream you know right you never know if it's gonna ever really happen my mom was very supportive of us always but she thought it was a dream too and um then you fast forward to about 22 and i'm starting to talk to jack and chad more often because at this point we're full-on diehard fans we go on every show in illinois and um uh chad said well you know chad jack said why don't you break into business you know and that's uh, so we like found out here a, all
0: the time. Anyway, why don't you get involved and get
1: paid for it? Yeah, so uh, we, we go into uh, our mall here in Champaign, Illinois, and we see a guy with wrestling belts. Mm-hmm. He was getting them fixed or whatever it was. And both of us freak out. Me and Robert were like, "Whoa, you know, wrestling belts, where are those from? We're those huge not, wrestling fans. What's up? <laughs> right. Those are not those are not normal belts. Like, where did sure. you get those from? And he says, hey, man, we got a company, New Breed Wrestling Alliance. No, mm-hmm. oh, well, and me and Robert say, oh, well, we're referees. You know, even though we're not referees. <laughs> and so um, they book us and um, Robert starts July of 19. Um, and then I start August of 19. Mm-hmm. Uh, or, uh, excuse me, uh, excuse me, not of 19. Let me back this up. July of 06, Robert gotcha. starts. Sure. Then I start August of 06. I started August 19th of 2006. Got it. And so for two years, I just was working whatever I could, man, you know, getting paid 40 bucks, to drive five, six hours, you know, doing the deal. And I don't I know just, anything about that. I What? Of uh, course, no, hours. right? <laughs> so driving long hours and then having to come back and go to work. And at the time, mm-hmm. I was a manager of my restaurant, so I was making good money, sure. you know, but, you know, I was taking the days off to get the experience. And then I All did right. a match with uh, Sean Bari and Eugene. They were both recently released from WWE at that point. Yeah. And then I used that match. Um, and I used a match with uh, Tyler Black, which is now Seth, Seth Rollins. Uh, I did a match. I did two of his matches and one match of uh, that. And uh, in 2008, um, I was I heard rumblings that Vince was looking for a black referee. Sure. So, I stepped in. Um, I called for like 30 straight days. Annoying. <laughs> Finally, get an answer.
0: You know. And, for those of you out there. Caution if you want to go down this route, you know, (laughs) like you can don't call for 30 days, man.
1: (laughs) I was annoying as hell, and I wanted the job so bad. I was so passionate about getting in there. I called every day, finally get an answer. And when I get that answer, they say, you know, I was going by on the Indies, I was going by Shad Tally. Robert was going by Chad Tally. So, Shad, Chad. And they hated the name. So, like, <laughs> I said, uh, so when I called, I said, oh, this is Shad He was like, that is not your real name. What is your real name? This is Justin King. He said, drop the name, you know. Yeah. I'm like, okay. They gave me a tryout on, go figure. I started, like I said, I started August 19th of 06. They gave me my tryout on August 18th and 19th of 08.
0: Huh. Funny how things, like, you know, it's such a cliche in wrestling, but, like, things coming full circle, you know, like, there's yep. so many instances of that happening.
1: My first night, uh, my first day, on um, tryouts. Uh, I get up there and I'm scared. and I, Chad, Chad and Jack don't speak to me. They ain't say much to me, you know. I think they don't want to catch that heat. <laughs> if, unless unless I make it, they don't want that heat. Yeah, know? absolutely. So, um, uh, my first night, um, Johnny pulls me to the side and he, uh, he ribbed me. You know, he's like, "Are you taking pictures of my talent?" I'm like, "Who? Who's your talent? Like Cena?" They thought, you know, he said, "Are you taking pictures of John Cena?" I'm like, "No." Like, why would I take pictures of Cena? Like, are you sure? And I'm like, let me, I'm I, not to be rude, but if I'm going to take pictures of anybody that ain't got to Cena, it's going to be Santino. Because he's my favorite, you know, Santino's my favorite wrestler. So sure. if, if I'm going to take pictures, it's going to be of Santino. Say, here's yeah. my phone, you know, open my phone up. It's like, here you go. Check it out. I don't have anything. He's like, be ready to go tomorrow. So the next day, I did a trial match with a guy named Mike Toler, mm-hmm. uh, uh And uh, Evan Bourne, which is Matt Sidell. Right. And it was about two minutes long. And everybody's standing out there, takers out there, Vince and them are out there. You know, they got Arn and Dean and all these people. That is a,
0: such a terrifying experience. Like, obviously, I haven't worked for the company, but, like, I've gotten to do the tryout matches before, like, the tapings and stuff. And, like, sure. They, they sure don't prepare you for you're going to be in yeah. front of the whole locker room. Go do hey. your thing. thing.
1: All these people are standing out there. And uh, Johnny tells me, get in the ring and do it. So yeah. Once I rang the bell, I said, you know what? I thought to myself, once I ring this bell, no one exists. That's yeah. because that's how you do it in wrestling. Did my two-minute match. They said, get out the ring. We're done with you. Then I sat there for nine hours. Yep. Just, didn't say to <laughs> yep. just, sit, just sitting there and sitting there and sitting there. And as I'm getting ready to leave, I say to Johnny, um, I thank John. Because John Laurinaitis is very influential in my career. Sure. I don't care how you put it. The man took care of me. I'm, I'm forever grateful for him. And anybody got something bad to say about Johnny, I'm sorry, but I love the man personally. Sure. I can't speak for everybody else. I can't. But what I can say is, you know, he told me that I was the drizzling shits, you know. <laughs> and he says, uh, but we're going to send you down to FCW. You know, we're going to offer you the contract. now offered me the contract two years to the day that I started the business. Hmm. So. How, how did that um, feel?
0: How was that feeling like going from like you know just the shock of like being thrown into the deep end, you know, like refing in front of literally everybody? You said takers standing out there, you know, Vince is standing out yeah. there, to, you know sitting around waiting for like almost a whole day, and then finally they're like, "Yeah, you did it, go."
1: At the time, I was uh, 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 engaged to be married, so you know, me and my ex wife, uh, we we were on the path. Uh, trying to get some kind of greatness going, and I've always been one that's determined. I've always, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't believe in failure. Mm-hmm. You know, if I fell one way, I got to go somewhere else. I mean, I'm always on the go. So thinking that I was just doing this tryout, I thought it was going to be a resume booster for me to go on the indies. I never thought that I would get the job. You know. Yeah. And then when I got the job, it was like all the oh. hard work that you put in—it's finally happened. And me and her cried together because it was like, you know, we're reaching a dream that we've always wanted. Yeah. Um, and it was just a, such a shock to me and to tell Robert, you know, tell my brother, who, you know, at the time he was in a relationship and he really didn't want to do the traveling part, so he didn't do the tryouts, or nothing. Right. Um, it was just so such a big thing, you know, to be told that you're moving to Florida, that you're gonna be starting a new life, right? And that wrestling's gonna be your life every single day. Yeah. So. Going into it, I was so, 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 so pumped. And uh, two months later, I went down October 23rd, and I got down there, and um, my very first experience in FCW was not a good one. So um, I was late. for class. They never told me that 15 minutes early is on time. You know, yeah. anything else is late. So I, I started to learn real fast the rules that military
0: mindset of like yeah 15 minutes is you're on time 10 minutes is yeah. you're running late and if you're actually there on time like you might
1: as well go home all right and i was five minutes early yeah time, which is mm-hmm. definitely 100 late mm-hmm. and i got called out in front of the entire class on my very first day which rightfully so they needed to do that so they can break me in and let me know and um steve kern um steve was really like a father figure to me and uh, he was so rough on me in the beginning, but I think it's just because he wanted so much more of me sure. and he expected so much more of me. But, but at, the, the, at the time, they don't really tell you what they want you to do. You got to kind of figure it out for yourself. And yeah. I think we finally have, uh, you know, one month after getting in there, I got a call that I was going to get fired. Hmm. So I was there for a month. I get the call from Ty Bailey that says, you know, you're not working hard enough. We're going to release you. And I'm like, release me. I'm like, what do you mean? I'm not working. I going just there? got just, here. Yeah. Right. So he breaks it down for me, what they said, you know, so I call Steve and I say, yo, give me another chance. I'll do what I have to do. Um, and he was like, you don't, he's like, you ask too many questions. He's like, just do it. Yeah. I'm like, well, I asked just because I want to know. I don't want to make mistakes. He's like, you got to make mistakes. In wrestling, you don't ask. You, you, you Trial and error. Yeah. So I took over all of FCW. That was how, I went from.
0: I don't want to uh, glance over that real quick though. Uh, I don't. I don't want to like miss that because that was a really good nugget for you know the refs that are listening that are you know eventually going to move good. on to uh, WWE at some point or anywhere else. You know, like um, you had mentioned that like you he said you asked too many questions and that in wrestling you don't ask questions in wrestling. Yeah, it's you have trial it's, and error. But you know,
1: it's, it's and that's the WWE way. I don't know anywhere else. You know, I never worked anywhere else. But what I can say is in WWE. When you get into that structure, you have to learn to fit in. You have to learn your place. You have to you have to make you have to make yourself fit into that mold. Sure. Yeah. By watching and learning, trial and error. You know, I messed up my very first match in FCW. Mm-hmm. I counted the three count count too fast. Count three count. It wasn't the finish. Then I had to go back. Oh my god! It's two count, two count, two count. Heat instant heat. Yeah. You know, yeah. you learn over time. It's like, okay, here's yourself and then there's everything else that goes into making that entity work yeah and yeah. so what i did was i started cleaning the rings every day i started doing the bathrooms every day i started putting the banners i started making ropes by myself i started i was coming in at 9 a.m and leaving at 9 p.m you yeah. know and everybody else was coming in at two you know 11 o'clock and leave at two or three o'clock but you have to make yourself important yeah and by november i had a release call and by december i was right there in the office with the with 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 Dusty and Steve and Tom and Norman and Brill, Billy Kidd. Earning a place. I earned a place and I and I did that and I earned the respect of every single one of my peers. They knew they Ooh. could come to me for anything. And that was a staple print that I put forth for all the referees going forward, you know, because before then, you know, the referees would come down, they would do, hang out and do what they wanted to do, but they were already on TV, so they didn't have to right. put in no effort. You know, me and Spider were brand new. Uh, Rod Zapata we were brand new and um, I was the lowest on the totem pole so I had to make myself uh, visible in a way that people would respect me and know that I'm not there to harm the business but to help the business right and I did that for I did that from November all the way till I went on TV in July Mm -hmm. so I was probably the fastest referee to debut because of my energy my drive my commitment Mm -hmm. you know I was doing production meetings with their man helping Dusty with promo class and I mean I mean literally anything they wanted me to do I did it I ran the cameras which is what
0: you have to do as a referee you know like obviously you kind of like learned that once you got to WWE but like it's kind of what we have to do now everywhere you know like there's so many good referees that are on the indies that if you really want to be successful that's something that you really need to do you need to become involved with camera work and production and the ring crew and like every facet of the game. Um, before we move off to, uh, you know, like you debuting on TV. Yeah, sure, sure, like sure, that, sure. Are there any particular matches that stand out from your time in FCW or any particular like fond memories that you have?
1: Um, So I guess, I, I guess it was such a brotherhood there that, you know, um, I really enjoyed all my matches. Mm-hmm. Um, and after a while we got started doing the, the main events and um, there was one match low key uh, versus uh remember escobar eric escobar yeah. okay so it was low-key versus eric escobar so you're in, in this, this title match.
0: that's going to become like the first season of nxt essentially
1: um, like
0: the original it, s- nxt yep
1: yeah yeah because yeah because yeah, the original nxt came right after i was injured so yes i'm working down there with heath slater who's a champion at one point right. uh, uh tyler rex are uh, well gabe, gabby gabe gabby gabby. and uh, yeah, and uh and all these guys they're they're champions, Justin Justin Angel and right. uh well, you know, Justin Gabriel and um um uh, there's so much there was so much talent in that bull yeah. Seamus. Seamus was a champion. I think it's really Drew, easy
0: for people to overlook that class, you know, because like they talk so much about the uh the what is it, UIPW class with like you know, Batista and Cena and Brock and Shelton and all those guys, and then yeah. obviously the class that comes after where we're at right now is like, you know, the the Seth Rollins and the Roman Reigns and all that stuff. And I feel like people really just don't give enough credit to that initial, you know, crop that kind of like paved the way changing everything that's happened over the last 10 years, you know?
1: Well, you got to think about this is uh, okay, so we had Wade Barrett and Drew McIntyre, they were an empire. These yeah. two were tag team at one point. Then yeah. Drew goes on to be the champion. Then they got Sheamus that's champion. And all these guys that made it to WWE, we all started in the same mold. You know, we're all young. We're all fresh. We're all trying to change the landscape right. of taking OVW and deep South and bringing it to FCW, making it one. Yeah. You know, and then you got, you got your, got your Kurt Hawkins, who's coming back down. You know, he almost got released, but then he comes back on his own dime, does his own thing to get himself better. And he's in that class. Trent yeah. and you know there's so many just names a real
0: all-star from- class that like are still just rocking and rolling mm-hmm. on the on all forms of wrestling right now from uh, like all over the indies all over like uh televised national companies like it's got, crazy got- to see got- the influence that like one class of professional wrestling can have on the business but go ahead
1: you had you had the bella twins you had uh, alicia fox you had rosa mendez you had so many names that came from that crop aj was a part of that you know, Darren Young and AJ, they got the. I was there for their tryout. Uh, yeah. I did their tryout in 2009. They got picked up, and you know, they come in, and then you got like there's so many names that came from that crop that ended up being champions, and that is something that people don't. That's why I'm so glad they did the FCW documentary.
0: Yeah. Because absolutely. it was
1: so much Biggie Langston, you know, Big E coming, you know, coming into fruition and never having a match in his life. Titus O'Neil never having a match in his life. You know, the Usos came from that that, that crop. Of people, so I mean, there was Tarver. I mean, there were just names everywhere. Yeah, Byron Saxton. Byron Saxton used to wrestle. You know, before he became a commentator, he was a wrestler and yeah, really go good back wrestler. and watch
0: the old NXT. Go back and watch the old FCW. Like he was really good. I was surprised yeah. that uh, not surprised because he's a very good personality and he's very well spoken. You know, like, uh, but
1: like, yeah, he's a pretty decent wrestler. So yeah, and the, well, the reason they put him in that position is because him and Dusty have such such chemistry together. And he's that got a degree. Journal- he's got a degree in journalism, so that makes a huge difference. You know what I mean? But uh, what what a what a what a what an amazing amount of talent! I enjoyed yeah. going to work every day. I bet I did. I was phenomenal for me.
0: So let's go ahead and uh, move forward. You're about to. You're going up to TV now. At this point, uh, talk about that experience. What was your first televised match? Do you have any, like, standout favorites while you were there? You know, like, uh, oh, take yeah. me through the whole process of your two years while you were on
1: television. So I um, debuted uh, July 13, 2009. I initially asked for a raise because I felt like I was killing myself. And they said no, you know. And then after they said no, next thing you know, they told me. the reason they said no is because I was debuting. And I didn't know that. So I get the call. I was getting married, actually. I got married in t- June of 2009. I debuted July 13th. Mm-hmm. So at the end of June. And um, so I rushed back home. Johnny says you're debuting. You know, your first shot's gonna be Miami and Orlando. Um, and I just thought I was going up for dark matches. I didn't think that I was actually debuting. Sure. So I get up to get up to TV. Uh, they pull me in the office. They say your first match is gonna be Drew versus Sheamus in a dark match. Drew McIntyre versus Sheamus in a dark match. Right. I say, okay, cool. That's a SCW match. I don't really care yeah. about that. I've done this then match they a million
0: say, times. It'll be fine.
1: Oh yeah. Then they say Oh, but by the way, you're semi-main tonight too. You're working Big Show versus Evan Bourne in semi-main and main event. And I'm like, uh oh, okay. Um, like, that's, um, that's, excuse me, what? <laughs> right, because now I'm gonna be in front of uh, live TV, Raw. I'm debuting on Raw, yeah, live. Never been live. It's big deal. Life. It's the big deal. It can either make or break me. You know. Have you been oh. televised
0: at this point? Have you been mic'd up and everything?
1: Like, have you worked with all the equipment yeah, and everything? Really- yeah, because FCW we had, two for TV. So we did TV sure. every Thursday for Bright House Network. We did Florida Championship Wrestling for Bright House Network. So we had the earpieces. And we had Billy Kim. Billy was our, you know, who does now. He was there. At right. FCW yeah. with us, which, it was, which he's an amazing, amazing, amazing I've person. I've
0: heard from so many people how great he is as a producer. And such an awesome yeah. person to have in your ear. And hilarious, apparently.
1: Yeah. So straightforward, and he's funny. He's he's all out funny. He used yeah. to rip me completely, but yeah. he's such an amazing person to go to. He'll tell you when you when he needs to tell you something bad, he'll tell you. He'll, he'll just straight shoot with you, sure. and if you do something good, he lets you know. Man, Billy's just that. He's an all around good dude. He deserves to keep his job forever. But um, I got up there, did a big show, in Evan Bourne, and uh, I never worked with someone so tall. You know, Big Show. Yeah, it's hard to get times. Yeah, when, when I'm five, I'm five ten, and he's seven. You know, seven foot. And when we got to the back. He made sure to let me know that I got to talk a little bit louder. I didn't yeah. know. You know, it's just a learning experience on that first day, and I, my knees were shaking. And you know, the match itself. And if you watch that match back, I, I actually it's on YouTube. We watch a big show versus seven. Born, you'll you'll see the difference of me first starting to rep on that first episode to where I'm at now. It's a totally different referee.
0: Why don't you throw out that date again one more time, just so, in case people want to look it up.
1: So it's a it's a Big Show versus Evan Bourne, 7 seven thirteen of two thousand nine. Cool, and, and that's a and wow. yeah, So that's yeah, that's a raw. So and uh, Kofi Kingston in, uh, interferes in that match, Actually, Air Boom is starting to be born at that point. So, cool. um, mm-hmm. my second match was Friday Night SmackDown, mm-hmm. and it was Kane versus r True. Now nice. here's another guy.
0: <laughs> that's I'm seven I'm,
1: feet tall. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm and I and so. Again, they don't tell you what they don't tell you anything. You gotta learn on your own, make mistakes. Yeah. I touched Kane. I touched Kane during the match. Ooh. I grabbed, I grabbed Kane. No. Which is a big, big no no. Yeah. So he, he pushed me. Mm-hmm. You get glenn up in his face after that <laughs> nope i stayed away from after that good <laughs> the, push letting, the push the push let me know that i was in the wrong it was a type of push to let me know you're in
0: the wrong. it was kind of one of those shoot like you know subtle pushes that was like hey brother
1: it was, knock it off it was subtle but it was hard enough to let me know not to ever do that again yeah and when we got to the back glenn is so nice he's the nicest person on the roster sure so when he got to the back he gave me a hug said thank you know congratulations and he told me with my character you can't do that and yeah. i I I should have known, but you just, it's in the heat of the moment. You don't think about it. So I had a Um, similar experience with uh, Lance Archer when we were doing um, Ring
0: Warriors. Uh, I was very, very green at the time, and I had never worked with anybody that large. And uh, he kind of, like, did one of the, you know, like, I'm going to kill you kind of things. And my trainers, you know, to their credit, they were great trainers, but they had really drilled in my head, you know, like, don't let anybody ever punk you because you're the person who's in the stripes or whatever. And uh, he kind of pulled me aside and was like, Hey brother, you know, like you wouldn't do that to Undertaker. Like I'm not Undertaker, but like you know what I'm saying. You know, like I'm a monster. Like you can't like stand up to me like that. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah I totally get it. Totally get it. I'm so sorry.
1: <laughs> yeah, you and you learn that. You learn that, and you can still be a direct from like a said. distance. Yeah, trial and error. You make the mistake, you never do it again. Yeah. And in my in my in my case, I I made a big mistake on that day, and um, it wasn't big enough to me to get in trouble. Just enough. For me to to know that I'll never ever do nothing like that again. Yeah. So those are my first two matches. And that was at, that was like I said, that was seven, uh seven, seventeen mm-hmm. of two thousand nine, Kane versus Archer. Very cool. So what's uh what's
0: your fondest memory of refing for WWE? What match really just stands out when you think back about one that was just like it was ripping and rolling, everybody was on it, uh, you know, the crowd was hot. And you just walked out of that ring feeling like a million bucks.
1: Two matches. Sure. Number one, Daniel Brian vs. Dogs Ziggler, Bragging Rights 2010. That was, uh, I just come back injury. And mm-hmm. In that match time, I limp left. throughout the entire match. Yeah. Because I'm still, I'm still injured at that point. And uh, it was 20 minutes of just, Amazing work! Lots I mean, of Paul and Dolph
0: Ziggler, like yeah. What do you expect, right?
1: International <laughs> champion versus U.S. champion, you know, because it was Raw versus SmackDown type thing, you know, the half rope, half colors, sure. And what an amazing, amazing night! And Vicky Guerrero's out there, and me and her have interaction, and she's one of my best friends. And it's just, it was just such a great feeling to be back from injury and to do that, and to be able to have that match. And Absolutely. Um, I, 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 that's. That is my favorite match of my entire career Yeah, is that match. Um, The other favorite match that I had, and I worked a lot of matches with John Cena. A lot of people don't know this, but I did the main event with John Cena so much on house shows that I was like Cena's ref, you know, because the crew ref has to go get ready to break down the ring. There's normally like two referees. So I spent a lot of time with Cena and I want to tell you what a professional I'm talking about from start to finish him, the Miz, and CM Punk, when I'm working with those three at that time, they were amazing at what they did. It was like a walk in the park working with them. Yeah. It was so it's so easy.
0: It's crazy when you meet those people that like, you know are just like on another level of like experience and competency and professionalism, like you're saying. Uh, I've only been fortunate enough to, a lot of people have mixed feelings about this person. I've never had a negative experience with him. Um, I, I was fortunate enough to ref a Loki match once and uh, the like prep that we did in the back leading up to the match like blew my mind how like detailed he was about everything that he wanted taken care of, how much input he like was giving to me, how much he was receiving from me. It was like such a you know, like a, a, a culture shock almost from, you know, like what I have been used to on the indies with people just, you know, either being like, Oh, we'll just count three or, you know, like giving me some kind of version of whatever it was, but like he walked me through step by step by step, knew exactly where he wanted me, what he wanted
1: me to do. Like, it was crazy. So yeah, I hear you. Well, I will say this about Loki: I don't care what people think of him. That is a locker room leader. If I ever saw one, absolutely. Movie, when he was an FCW man, he was definitely a leader in the locker room. Something go wrong. He'd be right there to tell you, you know, he would shut it down and he's such a professional. Sure. It's on a different level than most people. Absolutely, I think that, I think that, uh, he didn't get the justice that he deserved in WWE, but, uh, you know, it, that's, to, I, that just added to him going to other places and doing bigger things, you know, it's just a, definitely. just wasn't for, it just wasn't for him, you know? Um, uh, yeah. but I agree with you hundred percent. So, um, my second match that I had, uh, let's talk about Cena and them, but just because I worked with them so much and a lot of people are like, well, why is that, why is that not your favorite? It's not my favorite because it was never on TV. It was never public. It was never sure. televised. No one ever No. No one. No nobody's ever seen it, me. then does it even exist? Yeah. Right. No one ever saw me rep a Cena match. Nobody. But I did get the opportunity to rep Randy Orton on Raw. Yeah. And back then, back then, it's, not, it's easier now. These referees, all these referees get the opportunity to work with anybody. Sure. But back then... You had your pecking order of referees right. of who works TV matches here and there and there and there, You know
0: who else are you working with at the time? We haven't even really touched on that very much. Uh, up, up top of uh, WWE, yeah. Once you debuted, uh, what? Who were the other refs on the roster? So
1: the referees on the roster for me when I when I first Obviously debuted we got
0: it. Robinson and Patton, and I'm sure Spider was up there with you. Uh, go ahead. Spider wasn't up there yet. Hadn't got there yet. Okay, no, uh, probably so, John Cone.
1: Go ahead. So it was Cone. It was Cone, Charles, Chad, Jack. Mike, Scott, and myself.
0: Very cool. That's a that's a man, people talk about Mount Rushmore as of uh, referees. That uh, you know, obviously it's too many names, but like that is a all-star cast of referees at the time, but yeah. So
1: just the seven of us.
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: And So um it I was never hard got to get on it. a hard
0: to get on a high-profile match you're saying, so you got an opportunity yeah. with Randy. Go ahead. Why do you think I became
1: the Diva's rep for so long? I was the girl time i became the divas ref Everybody like oh my god the black ref is the divas ref you know it's their favorite monikers: black ref diva ref black ref diva ref you know because i work with the girls all the time hey. but i did get the opportunity to work with randy orton uh he had a match versus drew mcintyre on raw uh, i don't know the exact date of it but i know it's on youtube sure. monday night raw randy orton versus drew mcintyre 2011 it was so i know it's 2011 and I get the opportunity to work with Randy. And what a game changer when you are in front of 15,000 people and you got Randy. He's got them in the palm of his hands. And mm-hmm. he's got he's got Drew on the ropes getting ready to drop him with that DDT. And I'm counting in his face, and he's counting with me. And, I mean, what an out-of-body experience. And I get to the back, and I'm so worried that he's going to be mad at me just because I never worked with anyone on that caliber at that level live. When we got to the back, um, he said to me, I said Randy, because we were real, we were really close. I we, cool. we were cool with each other. I was a part of that little group of people. So I I could talk to Randy about anything. I just walked up to him. I was like, Randy, how'd I do? He said I didn't even notice you were I didn't even know you were in the ring. Yeah. That's the ultimate compliment. Very cool. Very for cool out there, for any referee out there, if a talent tells you I didn't even notice you out there, that's the ultimate compliment that you can get in this profession. effectively to the point where you're so good that they don't even recognize that you're there except for the counts that they hear
0: absolutely and that's the job that we're there to do you know we're not there to uh, be a character and to you know like pull focus from what's going on we're just there to do our job and make sure that things are safe and make sure that things are you know done the way that they're supposed to be done
1: and i will never be a character i don't care who does it i don't overreact to moves or none of that i'm 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 a referee that will never do that. Now, if people do it, it's fine. It's not that's not saying yeah, it's fine. Know,
0: I don't really mind it so much. Like, uh, you know, obviously, like whatever company that you're working for is going to dictate
1: what they want you to do. Uh, sure. But, yeah. WWE, I don't do that because I know I used to get in trouble. You know, you get in trouble for stuff like that. The only person that really overreacted to moves to WWE is Charles out of my seven. You know, Charles was the man to do that. That that was his thing you know kyota had his his moments where he would do the two count like this so nobody else can do this you know and he wore the armband nobody else could wear the armband it's just different monikers for different referees sure so i never got involved in none of that because i was too afraid to get in trouble
0: it was funny uh when i went to do a tryout um before i had gone and done that i i never went to an actual pc tryout i just did a tryout match before tapings but um I was such a fan of Kyoto and had studied him for so long that I had intentionally adopted that on the Indies as like a, an ode to him. The minute that I did my first match there, they were like, Nope. I was like, Oh, okay, cool. I'm never doing that again.
1: (laughs) Right. Because if you did this, you know, Kyoto did the, that was his, that was his thing. That's his uh, thing. Yeah. They're like, no, that's uh, Kyoto's stop." (laughs) (laughs) Okay. And, and and you get in trouble for stuff like that. it's not, not normal trouble. It's like, Why are you doing this? Are you trying to be Mike Kilda? Do you think you're Mike Kilda? No, I don't think I'm Mike Kiyota. You know, so you learn learn your own style. And my style was very basic, generic, but I had my own wit about me. You know, my my falsies are different than everybody else's. You know, I worked hard to stand out and look different than everybody else. Well, I did look different than everybody else, but I'm saying as far as like movements, I I, I wanted to make sure that when Justin King got in the ring, Justin King did his job to the fullest, to where people could say, hey, you know what? Justin did his job tonight. You know, if you're watching referees, you're like, damn, there's really nothing that could be said. You know, and that was my goal every day that I went out there. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Uh, let's talk a little bit about favorites. Um, do you have a favorite kind of match? What kind of match do you really, really like to sink your teeth into?
1: Tag team matches, probably
0: nice. We hear a lot of people dog on tag team matches, you know, and I feel like that's a an an inexperienced thing. But go ahead and tell me why you like tag team matches so much.
1: Because you have to be really experienced to work on a tag team match and be able to be that fifth person and understand the rules of the tag team matches. And what what a lot of people get the misconception of a tag team matches is they have to be over overly hyper in those Mm -hmm. matches. But if you stand in that neutral corner and you're watching both people. And you you can see what's going on here and here. Yeah. you don't need to do anything else. And you know, um, when the hills are doing a thing, it, it's so fun to communicate with that hill and let me know it's okay to turn around now and all the other stuff. And I just gotta drive for tag team matches. Absolutely, Same. I'm one of the I'm one of the very few people that love tag team matches. I absolutely love. It. I will always say that my
0: favorite is a technical singles, but I absolutely love tag team wrestling. I love when you're in there with. Four people that really know exactly what they're doing—they're experienced. They're a quote-unquote real tag team. I'm not a big fan of singles wrestlers getting put together in tag teams. I like no, real yeah. tag teams um, cool. that you know have that chemistry with each other, and then you can do the improv with each other. You know, like there's nothing worse than when you see a heel run over to the babyface corner, <laughs> bit the babyface, the ref goes right over to the corner, and the babyface doesn't try to get in.
1: Yeah, no, it's like, what so, are you doing? <laughs> and, you know, A lot of people, a lot, a lot of times I tell these referees that are inexperienced that I do train when that re- when that heel hits him off, it's up to the baby face to get in. Yeah, you're not even supposed to worry about that until he gets in. You're absolutely, to, uh, concentrate on the match until he gets in the ring. Definitely. That's the misconception that most people have instead of turning around and going to the baby face, you're giving the spot away at that point.
0: Sure, yeah, you're blowing so it. You that's just learning you're, you're for me. The,
1: absolutely, you blow the entire spot when you do that. You're supposed to stick with the action inside the ring. That's why you got forced. You got it. That's why you're in that square circle. You have to pay attention to what's in the square circle. Whatever's going on on the outside, unless you got two people beating each other up, you got to tell them to get back to their corners. Outside doesn't matter. That's why, you know, this kind of
0: conversational setting is so important because like, this is a good humbling moment. You know, like I have a lot of experience, like even with TV wrestling, with indie wrestling and stuff like that. I'm not like a vet at any point, but I've been around for a little while but you can still have those moments where somebody who is your senior, who has those experiences and that knowledge can impress on you, you know, like, Hey, you're blowing the spot, brother, like chill out. You know, like if it yeah. happens, it happens. And if it doesn't happen, don't go
1: expecting for it to happen. Cause you're going to yeah, ruin the whole magic. It's the baby faces job to make that magic happen. Yeah. At that point, if not, it's a blown spot for them. It don't Absolutely. look bad on us because we're paying attention to what's going on in the ring. Definitely. That's how you get the heat off of you completely.
0: So let's move to the other side of the coin. What kind of match do you absolutely not want to ref? What kind of matches do you see on the card? And you're like, nope, not for me.
1: Hardcore matches. I refuse to do them. I will never everybody says death match or hardcore matches. Everybody. I got okay. Before I got into WWE, long before I ever, I worked with a guy named Corporal Robinson from JCW, Juggalo Championship Wrestling. I know Corporal Robinson. I don't know him, but I've that, heard him. At that point, I had never done a hardcore match. Yep. Never. Didn't even know that they, ex- I knew that they existed on WWE, but that's it. I okay. never seen it on the Indies. And he took a porcelain toilet. Sorry,
0: your, your audio cut out a little bit. Let's get that one more time. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Can you hear me? It's
1: okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he took a porcelain <laughs> toilet. <laughs> he hit me with it. <laughs> Oh, oh i was so mad because this was not a spot that was talked about it just yeah. happened yeah so i'm not gonna lie to you I made the promoter pay me double i was angry i was very mad because i thought it was very unprofessional if you're gonna do something like that let somebody know and it's porcelain it hurt yeah it hurt like hell i was very upset i was not happy and you know, i i hate the concept of i'm for one hate the concept of blood sure i i You don't know, I'm not saying this to be mean, but you don't know what people's conditions are.
0: I'm totally with you on that. Like, I I like watching death matches. I like watching hardcore matches. I'm not interested in reffing them. And it's not because I'm like afraid of the weapons or afraid of the glass or anything. I just don't know where everybody's been. And it's not a judgment thing. I don't think you're a bad person. I don't assume that you have dirty blood or anything like
1: that. I just don't want to worry about it. I don't want you to worry about my blood, any of that. Go ahead. We do these shows on the independent circuit. They don't do blood tests. Yeah, they don't. You don't know what people have before so, COVID. What? We didn't even check each other's temperature or anything. You know, right. who knows what somebody's got? So you 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 have to be cautious of this. And I've been cautious of this my whole entire career. Once I got out of WWE and I was able to at least say what I will and will not do. Sure, I had earned that respect that I could do that. Never, I'm telling you. When I see hardcore anything, it's like <laughs> nope. I, I, I'm not a fan of um, I'm not a fan of ladder matches. I had a bad experience at WWE with the ladder match. Sure. I was out there by myself, and it was Shelton and Christian. Um, I did a, a ladder match 2000, uh, 10, mm-hmm. 2010, 2010. and um, or nine, whichever one it was. But um, I had them by myself, and that's the first time that any referee had done a ladder match by themselves. Yeah, and it was like 27 minutes. Was, was the last time. To- <laughs> I think so, because it was so hard for me to give them times because they're in the ring doing this stuff on the ladder. Right. I think I gave them I think I think gave them 20 minutes, 13 minutes, maybe nine, then four, then go home. You know, that was it. Because yeah. I couldn't get to them any other time. It's just, I don't know. It's just something about having the extra wherewithal. I'll do ladder matches and I'll do chair matches and stuff like that. But when it gets to be super hardcore, forget it. I'm not doing that. I will put my foot down if it's not happening. Sure. I hear you. Um, So we're kind of winding things down
0: a little bit Uh, before we get going. I did want to ask, you know, we talked a lot about different countries
1: around the world that you've been
0: to. Do you have a favorite country that you've visited so far?
1: Qatar is the most beautiful country I've ever been to in my life. Period. There is no other country that will ever be as beautiful as that from the hotel to the food, to the, the buildings, to the arena. Everything about QPW was mind blowing, but my favorite country to ever go to, to is so, india about yeah. no. I think it's because there's so many people <laughs> it, it's so overpopulated yeah but they're the most overpopulatedly humble people that i've ever met in my life and i truly mean that it's definitely something that
0: i've always wanted to visit you know like india seems like it's you know, is different from the States as like Japan or something like that. You know, it's like just, there, like a, a there's whole no other
1: world. It is. Cause there's no stoplights. There's no stop signs. There's no, there's no real copying. There's mm-hmm. no, there's no real crime. There's just people, hardworking people, people living. Yeah. Yeah. You, you see the most humble people doing the, the, I say this after I got back from India the first time. We are definitely the most spoiled country in the world. I Absolutely. love the United States. Yeah. I think the United States is wonderful. It's great. It's fantastic. But we are definitely the most spoiled. When you look at these Indians, man, and they see stuff on us, they're like, wow, you know. And we look at, we take so much stuff for granted. And I do quite a bit. You know, I've been such, I'm in such a blessed position, but there's still a lot of times I take things for granted. Sure. I and I get a reality check.
0: Um, not to like bury any company or anything like that, but just strictly country experience. What's the worst, uh, trip that you've ever been on? Like what's one country or city that you're not really interested in ever going back to?
1: I haven't had any real bad experiences. That's great to hear.
0: That's kind of how I feel. I, I I've traveled around quite a bit, you know, before wrestling, and like I, it, a trip is what you make of it, not necessarily like what the country brings to the table.
1: I'll tell you, I'll tell you one thing. When I was in WWE, when I was in WWE, the one place that I never really would, that I wouldn't care to go again to is Poland. Poland. Yeah, they don't know the black people. I'm not trying Where to mean. They, mean they don't know them. culturally. They culturally they just don't know. They're not around. They're not around African Americans or black people at all. So. Sure. I stayed in my hotel room. I went to the venue, did the show, went back to the hotel room. Didn't see anything in the town. And it was Polish New Year's when we went. So it was crazy in the streets. And I was told not to go anywhere. So yeah, I, if I, if I never go back there, I wouldn't care. I had a, a similar experience, not personally, obviously,
0: but, um, you know, I just went to Japan last year with game changer wrestling yeah. and, uh, some of the, um, Match guys that I went with, uh, Schlack in particular has many, many tattoos, including face and neck tattoos. And I don't know if you're familiar or not, but like in Japan, if you have a tattoo, it means you're Yakuza. Uh, so like they do not accept people showing their tattoos in public. And he like, he couldn't go to the gym. He couldn't work out. He couldn't do anything, you know, like he had to walk around with a hoodie zipped up and his hood over his head everywhere that we went. It was wild. You know, our our translator was telling him, you know, like, tell the boys, you know, what you have to get you know, and stuff like that. Like, it was rough.
1: Just because, you know, culturally, there's just so many places that expect so many different things, you know. Um, I, I will say I made a mistake when I went to Qatar mm-hmm. or not Qatar, but Kuwait. Kuwait is a dry country. Mm mm-hmm. And you, I had no idea. Did and you bring? Alcohol. Alcohol. Yeah, oh, no.
0: oh no! Oh <laughs> no! I had
1: no idea. Yeah. You know, I didn't even bring that much. I just bought like two little, uh, you know, like two little vodka sure. thingies, two little baby bottles. But they were not and, about man, it. Uh, no, I got in trouble by my promoter, but that's just because I, you know, he's like, "Did you bring your uncle I'm like, "Yeah." He's like, "No." You can't do that yeah. here, brother. <laughs> yeah. They would caught that in my bag. I would have went to jail for three days. No questions asked. Ooh. And yeah, You know, but that's, that's something you learn. You don't know. That's why you, I tell everybody, if you're going somewhere overseas, make sure you do your research. Yeah, do absolutely. your research on every place you go to. Cause you never know. You never know what you're going to get yourself into going to these places. You know what I mean? I was really so, lucky.
0: We had a, uh, an American, a white guy that like lives in Japan and is just kind of like a liaison for uh, wrestlers that come over, you know, like uh, he actually sent us this, like, four or five page like document of like things to expect while we're there and the one that like really stuck out to me the most that like can just apply to like all countries really is um this is not the united states they live by a different set of rules they live by a different set of morals and it is not your place or your purpose to come here and try and instill your morality or your laws on other people that is the first way that you'll get on people's bad sides
1: in another country you're not in a comfortable you're not in a familiar position yeah um when you go there you're not there to like that's absolutely right i'm not there to i go to these countries i'm not there to uh uh instill whatever i have yeah you know because i'm coming over as a guest to their country and when you get that in your mind uh it it comes out better and and fans appreciate you more and your promoter appreciates you more and uh you go in with um the notion that you're there to do this job and you're and I'm going to kill myself to make sure my promoter knows how grateful I am to be in this position. But I'm not going to do anything else outside of that. Yeah. So,
0: uh, Anywhere left on your list that you're really, like, looking forward to? Any goals that you have left that you're really still trying to, like, cross off?
1: I got one goal in my mind. What you got? My goal is to – first of all, my goal is to work for SWE in Texas. I want to work for SWE in Texas. Very cool. That's SWE cool. if you're listening. <laughs> yeah, that's, 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 that's a goal of mine. Um, they're growing in huge spurts. I don't know if you've seen anything on it, but it's uh, Teddy uh, Long and Rodney Mack and Jazz and uh, James Beard and Tim Storm and all these guys. Do you mind speaking out the abbreviation just in case people want to look it up? Uh, I don't know the exact. It's okay. It's okay. It's pro wrestling. But you can look it up. You can look it up on Facebook, SWE. Um, it, that That is what it goes by, SWE. Cool. Uh, the, the, the event that they're doing today is what, the 27th? Yeah. Today, they have an event called uh, SWE. Uh, cattle Car- Car- carnage or something like that, yep. and it's today, and they got a bunch of uh, former uh, WWE talent uh, that's gonna be there. Um, uh, Lacey Von Eric and and Boogeyman and um, um Mill Mertis is there, and there's Eric? so many big names gonna be in that. That I don't know the exact name, but. You know, go look up SWE and you'll we got find a ton it. of members of the herd
0: uh, down there in Texas. So I'm sure somebody will hear this and, you know, they can throw it out there or maybe put you in touch with who they need to put you in touch with.
1: Oh, but the biggest goal that I have is to um, go to Australia.
0: Yeah, that's a to, big one for me, too.
1: If I can get to Australia and solidify my career in Australia, then I will possibly retire.
0: Right now,
1: I don't, I don't have no signs of retiring or anything I mean, like that.
0: I mean, the, that's the last inhabited wrestling continent for you, right? I mean, you've been to... I've been to every other continent. South America, yeah, you've been to Europe, you've been to Asia. Last yeah. one,
1: better get there. You know, then what, what would be said about that is, this is the best part about it. Mm-hmm. The only continent I ever did in WWE was, was, a, was North America and Europe. Everything else I've gotten on my own, so that's pretty amazing. That is something that's something to be very proud of. And if I, and if I, if I nothing else, I worked my tail off to get to to something that most people will never do in their lifetime.
0: You know, while we're uh, on the topic of continents and things like that, uh, you know, we had mentioned Muhammad earlier, uh, and I don't think I've ever really like extended how much I appreciate this to you. Like um, when you had added Muhammad into the, into the group, then you know, that was the last like inhabited continent for us to like be represented on as zebra talk. Like that was something that was a really big, like pivotal moment for me as like the founder and the admin and all that stuff of realizing like how, like I'm just some dude, right. But like the group has grown into this like monumental thing that spans countries and cities and continents. And like, it was, it was a really, really like, uh, poignant moment for me. So thank you very much for doing that. That I had
1: had no idea, man. Yeah. I had no idea. I just literally brought him into it because his passion, his passion. I want to tell you when you think of someone that really wants to break into the business, his passion is huge. Let me tell you, after the show with us, Mm -hmm. that man cried on my shoulders. Yeah. He was so grateful just to have Justin King there as his trainer. And he cried on my shoulder and I've, At first, I was like, why are you crying? Like in my mind. But then I thought about it like, dude, you're changing lives. You really are. You are. Yeah. You are changing people's lives without even knowing it. I don't even think about it like that. I never have. And it sunk into me that day when he looked at me and he said, it's the greatest moment of my life.
0: I was on a podcast with um, my buddy Ivan, who's a referee in um, uh, Chile. Uh, He's a very, very good referee. He works for uh, Cinco Luchas Clandestino. And uh, when we were in our first year of zebra talk, I went to WrestleMania and I organized this like uh, zebra talk breakfast. And I didn't tell anybody in the group that I was in communication with WWE refs and that uh, I was trying to get them to come to it as well. Um, I just told everybody in the group, show up if you want to, we're just going to have a big brother breakfast basically. And only four people showed up, but five WWE refs came in, like halfway through the breakfast, including Charles Robinson, who was like Ivan's like lifelong hero. Uh, And he, you know, told me over this podcast that we were doing a few weeks ago, he's like, you know, that was one of the biggest moments of my life. That's, you know, one of the definitely the biggest moment of my career, like nothing's ever going to top that because, you know, we lose sight of the fact that like, we're based in the United States, you know, we're capable of interacting with these people and seeing them, you know, not on a regular basis, but on a somewhat regular basis. But, you know, to a kid in Chile who probably had to, like, find wrestling on some random TV channel that, you know, maybe only he got service every once in a while. Like, Charles Robinson, Mike Kyoto, they're these, like, gods to him. So it's pretty cool to hear all of these stories. I think we're losing your audio. Are you okay? Did your batteries die on your headphones? No, my brother called. Oh, okay. <laughs> Robert wanted True, to get in on asking, the interview. <laughs> yeah, Robert wanted to
1: get in. Uh, but yeah, so um I, I heard what you said though. I can hear it from when I took it sure, out. I sure. you saying. Listen, this is oh, we we have to I have to tell myself this all the time. What we do um in our lives as, as referees, even from me to you, uh my story um as normal as it is for me. My story is monumental to many, many people. And I have to remind myself that I am on a different level than most people. And I have to remind myself to give that knowledge and give Mm -hmm. that wherewithal to people who ask me. I get get messages all the time on Facebook and people want to know certain things. And I'm not above writing people and telling them, you know, hey, can you watch this match? Sure, I'll watch it you know the reason why i do that is because when i was breaking it we didn't have that yeah you know we didn't have those resources we had the internet but it wasn't like this you know um we didn't have the people that we could just jump in and speak to on a daily basis you know i had to text chat, and hope for a text back and you know you know but he would get back to me but it would take time you know sure and so nowadays even with you you you've you've managed to do something that most people that no one will ever do again is that is putting almost a thousand people together that have the oh, same man. common interest almost there and you'll get there Thank but you. you know to 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 take one idea out of your head and to blow it up the way you have and my brother got a zebra talk track suit he showed <laughs> me yesterday he showed me it yesterday and just the outpour of uh respect and commodity for you it is amazing and you. you have to remind yourself of that every single day when you're doing this um just like i do you know we lose sight of it sometimes just because it becomes normal to us but i'm grateful for you having me on this podcast because it does help people and it will help people absolutely you know and i've done my job at that point
0: Speaking of helping people, uh, we're going to go ahead and wrap things up. But the last couple of minutes of the uh, podcast, I like to every episode give my uh, interviewees uh, an opportunity to, uh, you know, just kind of talk about any company that they think, you know, people should take a look at any show that they were on at any point that, you know, maybe there's a match that you really like that you think people should check out. But most specifically, and most importantly, um, any wrestlers or even referees that are out there that you think are really just grinding and deserve an extra look from the community but maybe they just haven't really like gotten themselves to that point you know with their social media or whatever yet uh please take the opportunity also uh include your socials if people want to reach out to you
1: uh so i think that um there's so much talent that is overlooked Mm -hmm. especially in the overseas portion of things Uh, they just don't get the opportunity to be seen um Right now, I got some mega international stars that I have, that could totally be in anybody's company right now. Apollo, uh, Brody Still, Mike Hughes from uh, Brody Still and Mike Hughes are both from Canada. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're both amazing talent. Um, uh, Chris Rabber is by far, in my opinion, if not the top babyface in the world, one of the best wrestlers in the world. Sure. I mean, he's just he did FCW for a little bit, but there was no justice to him. What this man does. He is all over Europe. I mean, he is like the face of Europe. Very cool. um, those 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 guys are amazing. You know, um, J, uh Thomas, Thomas is in NXT UK. He's 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 amazing. Um uh on his Facebook is Thomas JS, mm-hmm. but uh he's in uh he's in there. Chris Sharp is over there too. And yeah. Chris is Chris is someone who works so hard to get to where he is. You know, he had to move. Those two are amazing talents. Seriously, um, I think that they, uh, I think WWE did a great job picking up UK talent referees. You know, um, um, as far as like independent referees, I really don't. I don't. I don't work with enough. You know, I. It's so hard for me because I don't. Most of the people I work with are brand new. I don't get to work shows. You know, I just worked a show with Mark Harris, who was former WWE referee. Sure, but just and the other referee was Jazz so (laughs) very cool (laughs) so it was just the three of us you know but I'm always working with someone who's already had the the kick in the door you know what I mean so it's hard for me I haven't um I have been I have been watching MLW I think MLW is looking pretty Mm -hmm. good um I don't really watch AEW sure I don't watch WWE I don't really watch any of that stuff but yeah, like you uh, mentioned MLW. We got Doug Markham over there doing his thing. He's really Yeah. Um and I worked with Doug Markham for a long time in uh t- tried and true pro wrestling. Mm-hmm. Um we worked together from we still currently, you know, when they picks back up, but we've been working together since 2016. Very cool. So i have been working with Doug quite a bit and you know, giving Doug advice and Doug is like side by side with me. So um kudos to him for getting to MLW. And um I think that um Mill Marcus right now, Mill murtis is probably the best mexican unsigned wrestler in my opinion yeah ricky banderas is ridiculous yeah i mean wwe should give him a look i mean or AEW somebody because he's he's talented
0: i'm sure he'll get swept um, up at some point after that run that he had in lucha underground like you know he's he's incredible
1: well he's in the up he's in the, he's in the mlw right now okay i don't know if he has a full-time contract I'm saying whoever picks him up needs to give him a contract. Yeah, you know, not just one-offs or two-offs. You know, because he's got talent, man. He came to Q, he came to Qatar pro wrestling, and I'm gonna tell you, man, what talent, bro. And I don't say that. I, I'm trying to talent for me. I don't really pay attention to just because I'm I'm a rep. Like I don't really look hard at talent because I'm so focused on what I'm doing. But sure. Um, after watching MLW and uh, watching him in QPW and. All these places, man. He's, he's definitely a great talent. Uh, I will say for referees, man, if you really, my opinion, <laughs> if you really want to learn how to be the greatest basic referee without still any gimmicks, which is like Charles' gimmicks or Mike's gimmicks or anybody's gimmicks, Chad Patton is the person to watch. Yeah. I will, I will say that <clears throat> for the rest of my career. Yeah. Chad and John Cohn are the two best basic referees in the world. When anymore. I say basic, I don't mean basic, like as they're basic people. I mean like they just do the job. They don't have any gimmicks. Yeah. You know, those are two that you would want to watch and, and study and take notes. That's how I did it. Ladies and gentlemen, I watched here, I got this real quick. So I would take these right here. I'm gonna show you really fast. I would take like a old school Cyber Sunday or something like that. There you go. Okay? Yeah. And I pull out a DVD and I'll say, okay, let me watch Chad real quick. Let me see what he does. You know, the Attitude Era, when that Attitude Era thing came out, I would watch him every week, study him, study him day in and day out because he's the greatest basic referee in the world, period. And John Cole's not far behind it's very
0: cool that you mentioned them because uh, after I had had my experience with you know them kind of like shooing me off of like following Kyoto so much like obviously mm-hmm. he's a great referee but you know not stealing his mm-hmm. like stuff mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I started looking around at other you know like people to, not necessarily like model myself after, but just kind of to study, like you're saying, and John Cohn and Chad Patton are uh, two very, very much like standouts in my uh, people that I study. And then, you know, more recently, as far as like new hires and things like that, uh, I, I, I study Eddie a lot and Daryl a lot uh, because they are kind of the mold of like what um, WWE and NXT are looking for right now. You know what I mean? Uh, and it's We're like not looking saying, for- a very basic for- referee,
1: Right, you know that you, if you notice the difference between WWE referees and AEW referees, the AEW referees are involved in the matches. Sure. They're they I I'm sorry I hate to say this but they cuz they're like talent. Because they 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 get excited. They they it's so movie 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 movie. Nothing wrong with it. That's just what they want. Yeah. But as far as WWE goes to be in a to be in the camera frame is such a bad thing and yeah. Um, you know, when you watch, like I say, I haven't, I haven't watched any. I, I, I've heard that he's solid. And, and Hornet Daryl Daryl yeah. Sharma is one of my. It's always been one of my really good friends. We did India together. Yeah. Um, I know him from Canada. I Spent a lot of time with him in Canada. Uh But Hornet, he deserves to be. There's a senior official as I said. Now he's got promoted uh because he understands it. Yeah, he gets totally it. Agree. You know, I'm not saying anything else about it. any other referee in NXT because I don't know. Sure. But I would say off of him, he gets it. And Absolutely. Chad and Jack, Chad or Chad and John, they, they also, when John first came in, he was so aggressive. If you go back to 2006, mm-hmm. when John Coleman was first coming in and watched some of his matches, he was so aggressive. But if you notice over time, he's learned how to Padding himself He's right really going down the path knows how to be authoritative
0: know, without being aggressive without being, himself, without being aggressive
1: right yeah, right right really and
0: chad it. chad's always just been solid oh yeah so yeah well, very cool thank you so much for your time today we're going to go ahead and wind things down i really appreciate cool, the time out of your day uh it's been great getting to learn some things from you getting to hear your stories and things like that uh, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening, for watching, however you're taking in this podcast, please help me, uh, thank, you know, Justin, give him a follow. Oh, uh, let's put over your socials real quick before we go. Yeah, so, uh,
1: I am at real Justin King one on Instagram. I am at W or Justin King one on Twitter. And I am at just Justin King on Facebook. I normally don't use my Twitter. I normally don't mess with my Instagram that much. I'm not internet. Don't sharing. really need to brother, <laughs> but Facebook. I am on all the time. Justin King, you'll see me in the picture standing behind Qatar, uh, beautiful city lights. And um, if you need anything for me, message me. You know, question about reffing, please follow me. Questions, ask Seriously, the questions. Folks, he me is
0: so uh, so humble and willing to take time to talk to you and pick things apart. And you know, we've discussed reffing and matches in the past. And like, yeah, I really appreciate your time. Uh, Absolutely, man. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you again for listening, for watching, however, you're taking in this podcast. If you would like to support uh, Zebra Talk or the Zebra Talk Fund, you can find us at prowrestlingtees.com backslash Zebra Talk. We've got all kinds of shirts, we've got all kinds of sweaters, we've got hats and beanies and pins, and we got tracksuits, like you were saying, uh, all kinds of stuff. It all goes directly to the Zebra Talk Fund, which is a nonprofit charity that we started to help referees in need worldwide. Uh, if you would like to be on the Zebra Talk podcast, if you're a referee yourself, please shoot me an email at zebratalk123 at gmail.com. That is also where you apply to the Zebra Talk Fund. If you need a little help traveling outside of your area, shoot us an email and we'll talk. You can find us at zebratalk123 on Instagram and Twitter. If you're not in the actual Zebra Talk group on Facebook and you're a referee, come on, man. Like, I don't know what you're doing at this point. We got almost a thousand people. Help us get there. You can find me. You can find Justin. I'm Robert Odie Brown on Facebook. I'm Odie one Kenoti on Twitter and Instagram. And yeah, thank you so much for joining us. And thank you for being here,
1: Justin. We really appreciate it. Thank you it. very much. I appreciate it guys. Have a good day.